If the gospel is not the way of salvation, it is not a way of salvation. And we're not just dogmatic about this, we are bulldogmatic about this. Ready to sink your teeth into scripture and get a bulldog grip on its truth? Listen on some doctrine and get bulldogmatic. Here is your host. Hey, that in a, in a home where there are two homosexuals uh, raising children, I will tell you that home they have rules regarding bedtime, uh, homework, mm-hmm. <laughs> where they can go, when they can go there. Who, who they can hang out with, how, uh, what time they have to be home and not. I mean, this idea that we just throw off all the rules. Mm-hmm. It's nonsense. It is. Everybody has rules and you have to have rules or you have an, a society of anarchy. So the question we have to wrestle with is why am I so opposed to the rules God lays down when they are for my good? Right. Uh, what is it that John says? We, uh, we, we know we love him because we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. They're not grievous. Mm-hmm. They're not asking the impossible. They're actually things that if we do them, we find we benefit from them. Right. And, and so that whole idea again of God defines right or wrong. <laughs> and if he, if we don't allow that, we suffer the consequences of death. Whether physical, spiritual, or metaphorical. Right. You know, marriage dies because a husband is unfaithful. A business dies because a, a, a manager is unfaithful to business principles and to financial, uh, financial accountability, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. It goes on and on. It's the end of something because a sin of some sort. I really like the way you wrap that up and, you know, I was afraid we were getting down a rabbit trail, but you brought it right back around to death, and that's the mark of a good past. Oh, thank <laughs> you. Um, so the next question I have for you is, what can there be in death for a Christian to fear? You know, there shouldn't be anything from a spiritual dimension. I think where most of our fear comes from, it's fear of losing or leaving our loved ones. Right. Now, I can only really speak for myself. I worry for right now, for example, I have five five grandchildren, another one on the way. Mm-hmm. I, I'm getting near the end of my life. You know, hopefully I have another 20, 15, 20 years. But my children could, my grandchildren could literally live, my oldest granddaughter's 10, she could live another 70 or 80 years. Mm-hmm. And I worry about the world that she's going to be in. I worry about her children. Right. So for me, death is not so much my own, uh, what's going to happen to me. I'm, I'm in Christ. Death is about what happens to my family. Mm-hmm. How do they survive? And, and you can imagine, you can argue that, you know, there's a little bit of presumption and pride and arrogance there and thinking you, you have to be here or they won't make it. And that's probably a, a valid observation. We have to trust the Lord. Right. But, but that's one of the things I think most people, when they talk about death, it's, it's the fear of what happens to their family after they're gone. Mm-hmm. I try to tell people, you know, if you're a Christian, you're saved. 
and you die, two seconds after you're dead, you're going to open your eyes in the presence of God, and you're going to know everything's okay. Mm-hmm. You're going to know everything is okay there and here. You're going to know it's okay. Right. But but that's what I think most of us worry about with respect to death is that what happens what happens a, a, after I'm after gone? I'm gone. What happens to yeah. my loved ones? Right. right. It, you know, it, if you love someone, of course you're going to have a concern uh, for them right. when you're not there, especially if you didn't consider yourself their protector. Right. And uh, and we and we all know stories. We all know the horrible stories of of uh, kids that have been orphaned, and many of them. By God's grace, many of them come through it, and they they turn out to be wonderful people. And we all believe in we don't like it, but we all believe in that kind of of strengthening that adversity does in our lives. But but I think for myself, that's the greatest thing that weighs on me is what happens what happens after after I'm gone. Dr. Ferguson goes on to Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1. It says, For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Uh, Pastor, for those who may not know, what is the tent he's talking about? The tent, in that particular passage, he's talking about the physical body, you know. When we die, we leave, our spirit leaves the physical body, and we wait the resurrection when we will be reclothed. We will move into a new house, so to speak, and that, that is the glorified, resurrected body. That's what he's talking about there. He goes, um, we, we go on and talk about Ephesians 2, uh, verse 8. For grace you have been saved through faith. And it's not of your own doing. It is the gift of God. So in this one verse, we see that salvation comes through our faith alone. And it's by grace alone. But let's go on in, in to Romans 10 and talk about uh, verses 15 through 16. It says, how will they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. However, they did not all heed the good news, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. And I read that from the uh, NASB, and there was a reason, because it says uh, in verse 16, it says, they did not heed the good news. I think in the ESV and the King James say they did not obey the gospel. So what what does it mean to heed or obey the gospel? Well, uh, ultimately, uh, foundationally, I should say, it means to accept the, the, the statement that Christ has done for us what we cannot do for ourselves. You know, the, when we talk about obeying the gospel... The gospel is the good news that we can't save ourselves. Right. God has to do it for us. So we obey by repenting and uh, 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 putting our faith and our trust in Christ. That's what the concept there uh, 
has to do with. So we, in these verses, we also see division. Yeah. Uh, we're talking about, again, talking about the saved and some that didn't heed the gospel. Right. Uh, so just because somebody hears the gospel doesn't mean no. that they're going to no, they're, you know, it's one of the, if, it's one of the things that we have to, it's not, it's not as true today in our culture in America today. So let's just go back. When I was a young man, the networks, the network, and it was only three in those days, of course. I remember those yeah. days. We're, we're telling our well, age now. We're telling yes. how far back we go. But, but, but it was common, common for Billy Graham's crusade to be televised by one of the major networks. He yes. would go into a city and he'd do a three-night television, uh, televised crusade and on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, you turn your TV on at 7 o'clock and there's Billy Graham preaching the gospel. Right. So many, many, many people in America heard the gospel, but many, many, many people did not respond to the gospel they heard. It was common in that day. and And this is something I wish I could just get through to so many people because we were as a nation we were more religious but we were just as indifferent to the gospel as we are today mm-hmm. it really hasn't anything changed in our hearts we must rely on god to open the hearts of men and women and and that they will hear the gospel now this is a i, I don't want to get off on it but it's a very interesting that that phrase uh faith comes by hearing the gospel hearing the word, and the word in that context is the gospel. It's not the word in general. By the way, people say, well, you need, you just keep reading the Bible and you get more faith. That's not what that verse is saying. That verse is saying saving faith comes by hearing the word, okay? And the word is the gospel. Um, but, but it's a very interesting play on the words there because it actually means to understand what is what you're hearing. And that understanding is not just me studying hard, and then I realize that it's an understanding that's granted by God, okay? And uh, there's lots of scriptures that bring that out, but but the point being that it is hearing the gospel in such a way that it entrances you, it captures your attention as the burning bush caught Moses' attention and causes you to draw aside. And, and suddenly the things of the kingdom of God have appeal where before they, you, you were totally indifferent to them. This is the power of the gospel. And it's why we share it with everyone. Right. We share it with everyone, but let God do his work mm-hmm. through the spirit. We share the gospel and then we get out of the way. Right. Right. God do his work. What does, uh, I asked you before, what do Christians have to fear from death? What do the lost have to fear from death. The lost have to fear the uh, reality of eternal damnation, separation from all that is good and gracious. Uh, the, the Christian has to fear, if if has to fear is the right phrase, the Christian fears the momentary experience of death. The non-believer should fear the eternal consequences of death. The eternal consequences of death. And uh, and that's significantly much more. 
much more to fear. Maybe we should, t- a lot of times when we're talking about these things, we may forget there might be a new Christian or, or someone who's not a Christian out there. Now, when we're talking about death, in this particular instance, we're talking about physical death. Right. Now, the lost are already spiritual, spiritually, spiritually dead. dead, correct? Right. Now, we were talking about the gospel, and when people, when God draws you to him, that's when you receive spiritual life, right. correct? Correct, correct. So we're made alive in Christ, and um, we, not only are we alive spiritually, we'll live in heaven with him for eternity because of what Christ has done right, for us right. in our back. Yeah. Correct. Right. So for death for the Christian is a momentary separation mm-hmm. from the from your perspective. Okay, I can go back to what I said. My grandchildren will miss me for 70 years. But for me, it will be a momentary separation from my family, from my perspective, because right. I'm now I'm now in a I'm now, now in a realm where time has no meaning. Okay. Uh, but for the sinner, the sinner has that sense of separation forever. Right. Forever. I, I use this illustration sometimes when I do funerals, especially if there's family members, sons and daughters. And uh, the story is about the man who was going to die, and he called all his children in. And uh, to each one, he said, good night. He said, good night, good night, good night. And he got to the last son who was not living for Christ, and he said goodbye. Mm-hmm. And the boy said to him, Dad, you said good night to everybody else. And she said goodbye to me. And he says, son, they've made uh, preparation. They've committed their life to Christ. So from our perspective, it's just good night. I'll see you in the morning. Wow. But you have made no preparations for eternity. Mm-hmm. And so I must tell you goodbye. What a staggering concept. And that's the meaning, that you're forever separated from all that's good and gracious that's what the sinner has to fear from death and should fear from death. Well, Dr. Ferguson goes on. He speaks of the death of death. Um, he says the Christian sees death as we see all things in Christ. Do you think that this is true of most Christians today? That we see all things in Christ. Uh, well, uh, I always hate to come across as pessimistic, but <laughs> I don't. I, I I don't think most Christians see all things in Christ. I think we're very. We we. I think this should be a part of our growth experience as we grow. I'm not saying we see it all instantly when we become a Christian, but as we grow, we should have a growing. We should have a increasing sense that everything is tied in and connected to and wrapped up in Christ. Everything. Everything should be seen in that way. Um, It's a a story that it's kind of interesting, and I'm I'm not trying to cast dispersions on the individual, but we sing a song sometimes, as I'm sure a lot of churches do, about Christ is all I need. You know, he's all I need. And uh, uh, an individual came forward one Sunday and said they didn't like that song because they said, I need food and clothes and friends and, and entertainment and recreation and a warm home. And, and I 
And the song isn't denying that. Mm-hmm. The song is simply saying that it, you can have all of that and miss it all. Right. But if you have Christ, you, you have it all without this. Mm-hmm. You see, it's not saying you don't have needs of clothing and food and friends and family. That's not the point. The point is if you don't have Christ, if he's not the, the head, if he's not the centerpiece, then none of the other stuff matters. And I, I don't think Christians, I don't think a majority of American Christians understand that. I will be, I will be careful here because in other countries, you mentioned it, the, the, the persecution that's going on in those countries is producing a much deeper, robust faith. Okay. Where Christians, in fact, do see God in everything. And we should pray and hope that we can come back to that in our country. Right. Uh, but, 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 but in answering the question now, no, I don't think most American Christians see Christ in everything. Well, maybe my question when I group people into most, um, because each, I forgot the fact that each individual Christian, each Christian is an individual. Right. We all grow at a different pace. Right. right. Um, according to God's will. Right. And, there are going to be some Christians that uh, realize that, and some Christians that haven't gotten to that point yeah, right. yet. That that they need to look at all things in that way. And I think it's a matter of getting back to that song. Of course, the song was talking about eternal things, and we, uh, in our fallen, you know, state, tend to look at temporal things yeah. more than we do eternal. Right. 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 Thanks. Yeah, I, I agree with that, but I think that's where we have to we have to see how does this act play out. How what what impact does this have on my eternity? My eternity, and you know, Jesus. And you have to be careful. I understand it, but Jesus says that if you give a cup of water to a disciple in my name, you will not lose your reward. And that is such a basic, basic. Thing that most of us would do something like that, never blink. Right. But it has eternal significance. Right. So, so that's, that's part of our challenge as we grow and mature in Christ, um, to see everything. Pastor Adrian Rogers said, of course, uh, he's gone on to be with the Lord. He says, death is just a shadow because Jesus has become the death of death. He pulled the sting out of death. He took the gloom out of the grave. He took the dread out of dying. Jesus gives us hope that is steadfast and sure. A shadow may frighten you, but it can't hurt you. Mm. Wow, that's so. Good. I was going to ask you if you agree, disagree, oh, yeah, or if a, you had any comments about that's that. That's a powerful metaphor. A shadow can scare you. But it can't hurt you. But it can't hurt you. I'm gonna I'm gonna borrow that brother Rogers and put it on our side. <laughs> shadows <laughs> shadows threaten, but cannot. I I don't know. I'll think of a way to say it. But it's yeah. powerful thought. Very very powerful. I thought, thought that was a good one. Yeah. About too. about the grave. The grave for the Christian is but a shadow. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, obviously drawing that from Psalm 23. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow, I will fear no evil. We? Thou art with me. And that's shadow that, Yeah, man. That's powerful. <laughs> that is. That's you a know, very good I, I never thought it, of it in that context, yeah. even when I was 
right. type yeah. is uh, well, writing it down. It's it's the beauty you know, of the, this is, is the beauty of the word and the beauty of the, of of the fellowship of the saints yes. through the centuries and hearing them talk and share and and expound and unpack and you know and what a day it will be when we gather in glory and we can sit down and and talk with uh, right. these people yeah you know. What a blessing that will, will be. One other point I thought was interesting. He said, he brings out the point that Jesus has become the death of death. And that's what uh, Dr. Ferguson was talking about. Um, Dr. Ferguson goes on and he quotes Romans 6, 8 through 11. It says, now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So also you must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. So there are a lot of deads and alives in those Verses. So, what promises do these verses give to Christians? Oh, gosh. I I don't know how to categorize them. You know, there's so many. Right. Uh, that there's so many that you can talk about, but I would just call attention to that again. That's concept of eternal life. Right. Yeah. That's the difference between the lost. And nice. and the same. I guess you know the one way saints and the Yanks. Yeah, <laughs> one of the ways we can we can say that is Christians gain by their death. Yes. Sinners sinners lose. Mm-hmm. We the Christian gains when they die. The sinner loses when he dies. That's that's a that's another good sign. That's another good sign. Yeah, yeah. yeah good thing uh, uh, we just ran out of the. We, Ronnie just used last one last week, so I. I need to make some new ones anyway. You have to start writing some of this stuff down. Well, Dr. Ferguson divides uh, the the death of death into two different parts. The first, he says, in the death of death, Christ came in our flesh in order to taste and share our death. And, of course, that uh, takes us back to the book of Philippians, chapter 2, verses 7 through 11 which read, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And of course, we see here another solo. It's all done to the, it's all done for the glory of God alone. Right. Um, but here we see another contrast in these verses. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to ask you, so you just the people at home, don't have to figure out what those contrasts are on their own. I wanted to ask you, when he says, 
in verse 10, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Is there division there? Yes. There's division between those who bow willingly and those who are compelled to bow. Right. That's one of the things that's misunderstood about that that mm-hmm. passage. Uh, Paul is quoting from the book of Isaiah where God says, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, and many people misunderstand that verse to think it means everybody gets saved. It doesn't mean that. Right. It means God's lordship, his, his, his sovereignty, his dominion are acknowledged by everyone. Right. But it's only those who are doing it out of an act of repentance and, um, submission and acceptance of what God has done that are then are are received. Now what when is does all these when are these verses happen? Well that would happen at the judgment. That would be that would be that would the fundamental concept is at the great white throne. Okay. okay. So after physical after after physical, physical death, death. Right. After physical death, uh you resurrected from the dead, you get your new body. Mm-hmm. Uh we see this in Revelation twenty one. 2021, where the great white throne judgment, everybody meets so, before the before God and is judged out of the history of their and the record of their lives, and um, and and what, everyone must acknowledge his divinity. His, you know, we're going to see the 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 lost are going to be at the great white throne, right, as well. Do they? I I never really thought about this until you said that. The, of course, everyone knows that Christians get a glorified, uh, get a glorified body, right. a new body. What happens to uh, at the great white? The lost are united with their bodies as well. Correct? They are, they are re- resurrected. Yes, everyone is resurrected. Everybody gets a resurrected body, but they don't get a glorified. They do, body. They do not get a glorified body. Our body is is uh, glorified. Our body is, uh, for lack of a better term, built on the model of Jesus' body. Mm-hmm. Paul said that, you know, Philippians chapter 3, I think we read it uh, Sunday. Uh, uh, he will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body. So everybody's resurrected, but the Christian gets a new glorified body that can no longer feel pain, can no longer uh, age, can no longer die. Uh, which is not true of the the resurrected body of the dead. Mm-hmm. Right. He goes on, he says, looking at things in Christ, uh, we can look at 1 John verse 4 um, of chapter 4, and that says, little children, you are from God and have overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. So there again, we see, Division. He who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. So we know we are in Christ, Christ is in us, but who is he talking about here that's in the world? The the world is anyone that's not in Christ. You know, there's a passage in 1 John there that says, we know the whole world lies in the wicked one. Now, the whole world obviously cannot mean the Christian. It means everybody that's not a Christian is in the power and in the realm 
of Satan. Again, one of those things that people misunderstand. They, people tend to think they're neutral. Right. I'm not. I don't follow Satan. If you're not following Christ, you certainly are. Right. And the, and, the, and the the irony is that he's blinded you to that fact. Mm-hmm. You think you're not serving him, but you are. And and that's just what the scripture says. Right. There is no neutral. Men are either for Christ or against him, in Christ or with or outside of Christ, saved or unsaved. And so that passage just brings that out. The whole world lies in the wicked one. Do you think that's why Christ chose these distinctions all through Scripture? Because we we blur we tend to blur the lines. We think we are neutral. Right. But uh and you know, that's why people wonder. I asked the question, you mean the little old lady that lives at home and just watches TV all day long, if she doesn't accept Christ, she's going to go to hell? Well, yes. Yeah. Yes, she is. Yeah. Unfortunately, you might not like it. Well, but but but, but, but here you go with the situation. People people would say, well, you shouldn't judge, but you're making a judgment. Mm-hmm. You're You're deciding that her heart is pure and good. And the scripture says no one's heart is pure and good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, you know, I always try to make sure people understand that we need to be aware of the fact that we don't know people's insides, what they think about, how they feel. Right. Uh, you know, well, this is a little old person that's just minding their own business. Maybe they give the impression that because they don't like anybody. They don't want to pee people around because right. they, 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 they may think they're better than everybody else. They're contemptuous. They're, and they're, how do we know watching TV is the only thing they're doing? Well, exactly. Maybe they got some bodies underneath you. Know? <laughs> <laughs> the crawl space or right. something like that. Well, you don't, you know, yeah, we, we don't know. And when you're back to the, you're back to the beginning, we have to accept God's announcement of good and evil, right and wrong. To be continued. We will continue this conversation in the next episode. And it keeps getting more and more interesting. Be sure to like and share this with your friends, and be sure to subscribe to our channel. Thanks for listening.